Hello, we're going back to our Light for Life series, looking at the Church. Our statement of faith on the Church is this. The Universal Church is the body of which Christ is the head, and to which all who are saved belong. It is made visible in local churches, which are congregations of believers who are committed to each other for the worship of God, the preaching of the Word, the administering of baptism and the Lord's Supper, for pastoral care and discipline, and for evangelism. The unity of the body of Christ is expressed within and between churches by mutual love, care and encouragement. True fellowship between churches exists only where they are faithful to the gospel. There will be a study guide accompanying this uh, talk and this will be useful for the home group study. But the study you're going to hear now is based from Genesis chapter 24 looking at parallels between the search for a bride for Isaac in the Old Testament and the church which we belong to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please bless your word to our hearts. Open our minds, our understanding to grasp and Lord open our hearts to be willing to obey the implications and the instructions of your word. And we pray for help in this by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Joel is going to give us our Bible reading now. Genesis chapter 24, verse 1 to 26. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham, and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharim, and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, Please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, Drink, 
and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her, water, her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No one had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too, until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becker and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. Then he asked, Whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, born bore to Nahor. And she added, We have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the, mal then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord. The Gathering of the Bride It's around about 2000 BC. It's in the Middle East. It's a culture that many of us will be unfamiliar with. There's an arranged marriage, not forced, but an arranged marriage. And we see how a father seeks a bride for his son. But we also see a picture, parallels, with Christ and his church. A father seeks a bride for his son. Genesis 24, verse 1. Abraham was now very old, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. So Abraham was going to leave Isaac a, a wonderful inheritance, the blessing of the Lord, and he wanted his son to have a wife and many descendants. Now we mustn't push the parallels too hard, but here in Genesis 24 we see a picture of Jesus and his bride, the church. We see how God the Father sought the joy of his son. He gave him an inheritance to share and a bride to love. Now, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, we see the Son of God is the appointed heir of all things. It says, God the Father appointed his Son, heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. And we also see from Ephesians 5 that the Son is the bridegroom and that we are his blood-bought bride. Verse 25 of Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Now, Abraham, back in Genesis 2000 BC, Abraham wanted Isaac to have descendants according to God's promise, 
that through Abraham there'll be blessing to all the nations through Abraham's descendant. And as well as the church being described as the bride of Christ, the church is the spiritual offspring of Jesus. In Isaiah 53, verse 10, and it says there, Though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. So not only are we described as the bride of Christ, we are also the offspring of the Son, the result of his sufferings, the fruit of his love. Another parallel, we see how Abraham makes the arrangements for the bride-to-be. And Abraham commissions his chief servant. Verse 3 of Genesis 24. I want you to swear by the Lord, Abraham says, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living. But you will go to my country and my own relatives to get a wife for my son Isaac. Now, the Canaanites will most likely be a bad influence on Isaac. That's one reason why the wife-to-be has to be from Abraham's uh, closer family. And also, God's promise is that Abraham's descendants will be given the land of Canaan. So possibly Abraham doesn't want Isaac to marry into ownership of the land. He's keeping the family line as pure as possible, and he's leaving room for God to work his miracles. Now, we see how God the Father gives a specific bride to his son. John 17, verse 1. Jesus is praying. He looks toward heaven and prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. The Father is giving people, or has given people, to the Son. John 6, verse 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Now, in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks like a very passionate matchmaker. Even though he himself is part of the Bride of Christ, he sees his gospel service like a matchmaker's job. Paul goes out with the gospel, preaching to all. He doesn't know who will believe, but as people believe, the Bride of Christ is gathering. And Paul is so full of joy to introduce people to Jesus and see that, that link as people come to faith in him. The bride is being gathered through the gospel. Now, if a local church like Corinth, which is part of the bride, starts to waver in its love and devotion to the Lord, then he, the Apostle Paul, is deeply concerned and passionate to see the bride restored. And he writes, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So we see Paul's passion for this relationship between Christ and his church. And then we also see a third parallel. Abraham sends his wise servant to find the bride. Verse 10 of Genesis 24. 
The servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naharem and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. So the servant goes out to find the bride. And the humble Holy Spirit goes out from the Father to bring the bride to the Son. Now the servant in Genesis went with a clear message to woo a bride for Isaac. The Holy Spirit has a clear message with which to woo the church to be. John 15.26, Jesus speaking to his disciples. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So the Holy Spirit, the humble Spirit, goes out from the Father, speaks the words as if the Son were speaking. John 16, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So, as the Gospel about the Son is preached... The Spirit speaks, and we're hearing the words of the Son who loves us. Words to the Bride. The Gospel woos the Bride. Now the evidence that we are part of the Bride, chosen by God beforehand, is that we respond when the Gospel is preached. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4 For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our Gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and, and deep conviction. And as Jesus, using a, a different uh, image, says that his people, his sheep, hear his voice, the Good Shepherd's voice, and follow him. The bride is wooed through the gospel, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, all through the history of of the Bible being written down, we see that the Holy Spirit was moving and inspiring what is in effect a love letter from the Son to his bride. And the Holy Spirit administrates this and super supervises the writing of this love letter from the Son to his bride. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 12 It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. So it was revealed to the Old Testament prophets that they were not serving themselves, but you, that's who, whom Peter is writing to, the, the Christians, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then he comments, even angels long to look into these things. And it's always good to look into a wonderful story of, of love, true love. Now the fourth observation is how Abraham's servant looks for a good sign in the young woman to be. And he prays to God that the lady would not only give him water, but also water his camels, and that's the sign. And that would indicate that Rebecca is a, a lady who is helpful, wants to, wants to serve, wants to be kind. And so that's obviously a, a positive thing uh, for 
the servant to, to see in the lady who's going to be his master son's wife and there are parallels of course because when we come to the Lord and trust in him he wants us to serve uh, and to be useful in his kingdom and to have a character which wants to be helpful and so on but there's also a contrast here as well because what does the Lord see in us what did the Lord see in us to choose us to be part of his bride now the servant knows the bride has to be from Abraham's relatives but he also looks and prays for a sign which will show a helpful character and Rebecca does indeed provide water for the servant and the camels as the servant had prayed this was the sign that the servant was looking for now what does the Lord see in us the bride surely the sinful spiritually ugly bride in Isaiah 59 verse 12 it says for our offenses are many in your sight and our sins testify against us our offenses are ever with us and we acknowledge our iniquities and yet what do we see how the groom Jesus set his love upon us now Rebecca was beautiful and helpful and a daughter of Abraham's relatives these were pointers that the servant had that this was the right person but Rebecca wasn't necessarily from a family who had a pure faith in the Lord possibly a mixed mixed up uh, faith with, with belief in other gods and there's evidence for that because later when Isaac's son Jacob went back to this area to find a wife from the same family group he married Rachel who was Rebecca's niece the daughter of Rebecca's brother Laban and there's a reference which shows that they were idol worshippers in Genesis 31 verse 19 when Laban had gone to shear his sheep Rachel stole her father's household gods so Rebecca was from a pagan background of sorts at least a family that mixed up belief in the one true God with with other gods and yet we see how Rebecca was chosen she was of the chosen people because she was chosen as the Lord led the servant to select her as the candidate for Isaac's bride now the bride was not perfect and we the church were not perfect by any means but were loved and chosen and God the Father hasn't chosen us to be the bride for his son because we're better than anyone else certainly not perfect we were chosen because of grace Ephesians 2 talks about that just look at the first couple of verses as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath this is how the Holy Spirit found us there is no bride worthy of the Son of God but God has chosen to redeem a godless and guilty people to be gracious to us to save us and to restore us so the servant looked for for signs in choosing Rebecca and despite the fact that she was from a, at least a, a, a mixed background in terms of her spirituality she was chosen to be the bride of Isaac but when we look at ourselves at far far 
greater our description of our ungodliness is, is there as we look at the Bible and look at our own hearts and yet the Lord still chose us. Well, fifthly, we see how Isaac was the groom of sacrificial love. Remember, remember how God tested Abraham to see if, if he would trust him enough to sacrifice his own teenage son. Genesis 22, verse 2. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. Now it's obvious that Isaac was no toddler at this point. Most likely a teenager. Growing up, growing into a young man. And it says Abraham carried the fire and the knife. He, he carried the lightweight stuff. Now Isaac is a picture to us of Jesus, the son of God. Isaac in the end didn't have to die, but Jesus did. Why? For his own bride. Again, Ephesians 5 verse 25, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The Holy Spirit's mission is to follow the plan of the Father, applying the salvation of Jesus the Son to the lost and, and guilty people all over the world, all through history, who are being gathered through the gospel to become the bride. And through that gospel, we are cleansed and prepared for the wedding day to come. 1 Peter First chapter, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. It's also very significant that Isaac is the only Old Testament patriarch who had one wife. Abraham and Jacob had several wives and troubles with that. But it was just Isaac and Rebekah. And as we, the bride of Christ, we delight in his single-focused, faithful love for us. As Isaiah 62 verse 5 says, As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. The Lord is our builder. He's married us. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Jesus, the Son of God, has no other lovers, just the one, and he's totally committed to her, and one day will take her home forever. We see a picture of this in Revelation, chapter 19, verse 6. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like a roar of rushing waters, and like, a, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Sixthly, we see Abraham's wise servant preaches the gospel to Rebekah. Verse 22 of Genesis 24. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring weighing a becker and two gold bracelets weighing ten shekels. And then verse 28, the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. And then Eliezer was invited to the family tent. They were wealthy nomads. And sitting down, verse 33, he said, I will not eat until I have told you what I have to say. Then tell us, Laban said. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has blessed my master abundantly, and he has become wealthy. 
He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. And then the servant tells the family about Isaac. The gifts, the gospel treasures revealed, a foretaste of much more to come when the marriage has taken place. The servant, in effect, preaches the gospel. And the Holy Spirit points us to the glories and the grace of the Son, the Groom. The Holy Spirit also empowers God's people to preach the gospel about the Son, pointing others to Jesus, the Saviour. Acts 4 verse 31, after they prayed the church, they, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The treasures of forgiveness, peace and then a home in heaven is put before people and the choice is offered to believe and be saved. The bride is being gathered in because the bride is not one single person but millions and millions of people all through history in every corner of the world countless believers in the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. The gospel is drawing the bride, wooing the bride. And once she makes a choice, a deeper understanding of the richness of the treasures come to light, the riches of the inheritance through marriage to the Son. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 to 10. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. And then in Ephesians 1 verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Ephesians 1 verse 9 says, With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. And then we see, seventhly, Rebecca's choice, urgency, is required. It looks like the father Nahor was away or had died, more likely, and Laban, Rebecca's brother and her mother Bethuel are managing the marriage negotiations. Verse 55 we see there that the marriage is agreed but Bethuel mother and Laban the brother want to delay Rebekah's leaving. When they got up next morning he said send me on my way to my master the servant speaking. Verse 55 but her brother and her mother replied let the young woman remain with us ten days or so and then you may go. But he said to them, Do not detain me, now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way, so I may go to my master. Then they said, Let's call the young woman and ask her about it. So they called Rebekah and asked her, Will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So there's an urgency. The servant wants to complete his mission and will not stand for any delay. Now there's an urgency in the gospel message. In the parable of the great banquet in Luke 14, after some of the people who were initially invited refused to come to the feast, the master orders his servants to go out quickly to invite, even compel people to come in. Everything is ready. There must be no more delay. Now the gospel isn't a panic message, but there is an urgency, and the Holy Spirit works in and through the gospel to invite the bride for the Lord. And then start the journey home without delay. The Christian life. There's an urgency. 
And then lastly, the servant takes the bride to her groom. And that parallels with the fact how the Spirit leads us on towards Christ. Now we can imagine the nervous excitement and anticipation of Rebecca as she travels on the back of the camel to the land of Negev and towards her husband-to-be, Isaac. She might have smiled at his name, which means laughter. She might have thought of the responsibility she would inherit as a homemaker in her wealthy husband's household. She was looking forward to intimacy with her groom, to the joy of bringing up children. She might have been rather concerned to do the right things in a home where the Lord was worshipped alone. No mix of gods now, the one Lord. A serious change. It was a journey to a new home with new challenges, but with many new joys. She was leaving her old ways behind for good and looking forward to what lay ahead. Now this is a parallel of the journey of the Bride of Christ. The Apostle Paul expresses his desire to know Jesus better as he travels on the Christian journey until he sees Christ face to face. Philippians 3 verse 7 But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Then he says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. That's in the here and now, on the journey. And the local church is the clearest visible manifestation of the bride. And as we journey collectively to see him, meeting as often as possible along the route, it's all about him, getting to know him. Colossians 3 verse 15 instructs us, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then, one day, after the long journey, the bride and bridegroom will meet face to face. This is the deepest desire of the groom who has given his life for that eternal moment. He says to his disciples, to his bride, to the church, in my father's house there are many rooms. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'll come back to take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And then as he prays in John 17, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. I remembered the words of a hymn by Anne Cousin and just to read to you a couple of verses. The sands of time are sinking, the dawn of heaven breaks, the summer morn I've sighed for, the fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight, but dayspring is at hand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. O Christ, he is the fountain, the deep, deep well of love. The streams on earth I've tasted, much more I'll drink above. There, to an ocean fullness, his mercy doth expand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. And the last verse says, The bride eyes not her garments, but her dear bridegroom's face. I will not gaze at glory, but on my King of grace, not at the crown he giveth, but on his pierced hand. The Lamb is all the glory 
of Emmanuel's land.